Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. This week, we're going to cover some practical questions and hear Mark's response to the best way to mouth a horse and balance a horse for a farrier and how to make progress on a really nervous wild horse. But first, Mark, can you tell us a little bit more about nipping? I've got a question here from Jess, who was listening to an interview with you on YouTube. She mentioned that one thing that you looked for at a clinic if a horse is is if a horse nips their person and then has a letdown immediately after. She wants to know, can you explain what this tells you about the horse and the horse person relationship, please? Um, like all uh, things that horses do, a lot of, a lot of those things are a, uh, like a, a form of communication with a horse. Um, and, you know, they, a nipping like that when a horse is holding like a tension in it, like quite a, quite a lot of tension, and then it nips, it's kind of telling the person it's kind of uncomfortable. And because of that conflict in the horse, it looks like it has a letdown. You'll see stress yawns and stuff like that. So so basically it's the same as if two horses had conflict, they'd both go away and have, have sort of stress yawns and stuff like that. Uh, and a lot of horses uh, that nip um, – in this context that I'm going to sort of talk about is that it's the kind of frozen horse. It's a bit frozen, um, doesn't really know if it's supposed to do anything, but it gets to a certain point of discomfort. And because it feels through certain levels of obedience that it's backed into a corner, then it has this sort of last resort little nip that, that that's kind of like saying, you know, I'm not comfortable there or too close or, you know, not that spot or whatever, whatever it's trying to say. And because of that, it's done something and it's released that bit of tension, I suppose. And then after it will have some stress yawns because it was quite a lot of conflict because the it was the probably the, there was more conflict in the in the sense in the horse that it had to kind of freeze before it nipped. So to me, it's kind of showing that the um, that the horse is, you know, uncomfortable, but uncomfortable enough to hold quite a bit of um, tension in its body. Then the nip is like a. Um, the, the release where the horse finally does something and then after that you'll have the stress yawns and it looks like it lets down because usually the person does something or steps away, whatever, and the horse lets down. So that's why you see that sort of, you know, because stress yawning is not really, you know, it's not, oh, my horse yawn, that's really good. Sometimes it looks like the horse is letting down, but it's just releasing tension. But if you walked away from that horse after it nipped, it would probably relax and, and go, oh, well, the conflict's over now, I can sort of relax. Um so yeah, it, it shows me that the relationship between the horse and person would be that the, the 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 horse is feeling worried and nervous when the person comes into its space, and that's what's holding that tension. So there needs to be more time understanding, you know, the spots past the eye where the horse is nervous. Uh, also understanding why the horse is frozen. Uh, a lot of horses, um, you know, if you taught them to lead forward to you, so so something that I do for horses like that that uh, kind of freeze up a little and then get nippy when you're in their space is I just stand and I get them to lead to me and I work out which eye they try and block me on, which eye they put me on, um, and then I very quietly use, you know, graded exposure to one side and then the other side of just leading by, getting them to softly come come by me now I might sort of get them to come up a little till they get a little tight 
and then I might just back them off and I'll try and get them to lead by. So what that graded exposure is doing is it's the same as if you were grading the exposure and they were standing still. So the horse in a, in a sort of a mirrored image, the horse would be standing still and you're walking backwards and forwards. You go to a spot where the horse is nervous, wait till it sort of well, starts to show some signs of anxiety, then you wait a little till it softens and then you kind of step back. That's like approach and retreat. But what I tend to try and do is stand still and I ask the horse to lead forwards and backwards and, and then I'm teaching them that they can uh, move as well, think and well, think and move because movement is very, very healthy for a horse's mind because it's the ability to move that would make a horse less likely to feel cornered and trapped and need to bite at someone. So by doing approach and retreat where you're standing and getting the horse to move backwards and forwards softly, um, you're you're getting the horse to let go of brace and some of that freeze that gets in them and it, and, it, and it empowers them more to think and move because what I say to people is a bit of a, um, you know, an idea is, you know, if there was a king or queen sitting in a castle and they have no money to have an army, then, you know, oh, well, I can't do anything. I'm just sitting here and I don't have an army. But um, what what but but what makes a king or queen powerful is is an army. So what I what I talk about is the the mind is 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 inside the brain inside the head is is basically the king or the queen and that king or queen can make decisions um, by having foot soldiers that support those decisions. So basically, if if the feet and the body is available to support the horse's thoughts, then the horse will make a decision. Um, and usually a better decision and have and, and be more more curious all sorts of things will happen but a lot of horses have been taught to be obedient stand still all that sort of stuff but their their, their emotions are, and their thoughts are still there but they know they're not supposed to do anything so right at certain moments of uh, emotional conflict they're going to sort of lash out or do something like some spook out and jump some 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 bite all that sort of stuff so you know we've got to look at that and and that's why moving a horse, um, into our space to find out where the nervous spots are in and out is, is much better for them and it, and it sort of has a longer lasting uh, result and um, and also you're empowering them more. I do like all the analogies, but I'm absolutely sure that there's a, a fairy tale book inside of you somewhere there, Mark. I think you were destined to, do it to, <laughs> to write a fairy tale. Okay, um, so we'll move on to Shirley's question then. What's the best way to mouth a horse? Uh, make make sure it uh, yeah understands the feel. Um, basically, what's the best way to mouth a horse? Um, so if if you if in context of um, preparing a horse for a bit uh, to carry a bit and be mouthed in a bit, what I would probably go back to is is leading a horse. Um, so basically, how is my horse leading first? That's the first mouthing process when you first put a holder or a neck rope on a horse um you know to to lead a foal or whatever um it starts off there so it starts off in the horse being able to follow the feel of pressure so in a lot of my groundwork i'm trying to encourage people especially people that really kind of want to be riding their horses uh, and even people that didn't want to ride their horses because they still lead their horse around tied up with a rope i encourage them to use less body language more with the feel of the rope um, because um, a lot of groundwork sometimes horses are just watching for body language and they interpret the body language they're not listening to the feel of the pressure so so in in starting your young horses it's very important that you stand still and you ask them to move softly backwards forwards you know uh, follow left and right all that sort of thing and get them to look into the feel and then follow that feel and things like that so 
they're always softly following the feel of the lead rope whichever way it goes and if that becomes part of their just the way they understand stuff then the mouthing process is so much easier because then I'd go to something like a side pull but I'd, I could do this in a halter first as I start to sort of long rein them out on one long rein so like I have a six meter rope which is a, a thinner sort of um, type of yachting rope like sail rope and I just let the horse go out on a straight line and they just travel a straight line and then I just pull the rope and get them to do a U-turn and come back. And I do that on both sides so the horse can go out and come back and they can still do all their backwards and forwards. Once I've established that, I'll get them used to, you know, ropes around their back end and stuff like that, whether it be breaching pressure, all that sort of stuff. But I get them prepared for long reins where I just have two ropes tied to a holder to start with. And um, all I do is just get them to sort of and i put the rope i stand behind them and all i do is just work them between the ropes i don't even go forward first i get them backing and then i get them like i walk a circle around them they got to turn tightly around and stay between the long reins so their hind quarter is feeling the reins at the back end uh but also their head's feeling the rein and they learn to just get comfortable between the boundaries of those long reins and then you can start to sort of uh, lead them out into a forward movement and travel, uh, walk into backup, walk into backup. Really good to do walk into backup without any stall spots or um, without any sticky spots where the feet kind of get braced and stuck. So lots of tight turns, forwards into backwards, all that sort of stuff, just in the long range. So the horse is just following the reins everywhere, no worries at all. And if you want to transfer to a side pull, you can start to do that. And then from the side pull, you can start to, if you wanted to put, um, uh, like a roller on your horse with the different loops, you can start to, you know, put the put the um, the ropes through a roller, and then just get them to sort of, you know, steer around and pull the left rein for left, the right rein for right. Basic steering first, um, and then once the horse can just really comfortably follow all those different rein positions in a in a side pull, I'd be riding them in a holder on a side pull for a while, um, and then when you transfer to a bit, you you're kind of teaching the horse the horse knows how to softly follow feel and move and and it's got no brace in it because when you go to a bit it, you don't want to be hanging onto a horse tight to get it to let go of a big brace and and risk damaging its mouth so that's why i'd rather go in a side pull and, and hold a horse till they can very good at finding their balance and following the reins and then from there i you know might let the horse carry a bit put the bit in their mouth just let them carry it uh, until they've stopped chewing and you know you might do that each day for a while until the horse is just soft you can get them to carry a bit and set it up that you can ride them in a holder and just carry a bit in their mouth and just get them used to it and and then from there I basically set them up in a in a quiet yard and I start to transfer that that feel to the bit if you wanted to you could um, you know you can do this it depends on where your horse is at you can have you can have a side pull rein and a, and a bit rein, so you kind of got both working at the same time, a little bit of both. So the horse is feeling just a little bit of feel of the bit, but also the side pull comes on at the same time. So it's sort of, and then you can slowly just release the side pull rein until till it's just the bit. But you've got to remember that there's a lot of stuff on this, so you've got to get it set up correctly so you've not got too much stuff on the side of their face to, you know, be hitting their nerves or, or things like that or just be uncomfortable. Um and and then you just slowly wean off the um the side pull and and the bit takes over but as i say if the horse knows how to go backwards left right softly all those things then it just transfers to the bit so much easier 
Um, there are devices that you can actually create a kind of semi-side pull bit setup, which is just a, a, a nose band that goes around and, and hooks up on the bit that goes all the way around. So it's kind of like almost like using a bit of bit and a bit of side pull, which can work too if you want to just, you know, transfer over slower. But if the horse is pretty quiet and it's following everything pretty nice, you can just get up in the bit after you've done all that without doing the side pull one and just gently just start to get it to look into the bit a little bit and just just in a gentle environment just start to get it to follow the reins um, in, in the long reins if you want. You know, you start off in the long reins and just get it to, you know, softly step back and, you know, it can start to do the turns where, where you're using a bit of long rein on its hip and it just moves around a little bit in the reins and gets comfortable at the back up and the steering. And if they're pretty quiet and, and you've done your job, you, you don't have to put a lot of pressure on their mouth because they already know boundaries and they've carried the bit and things like that. Um, and something else that I forgot to say is when you're on the ground, when you do put the bit in their mouth, you can always just stand beside your horses and just quietly just get them to back up with the two reins of the bit and just get them to kind of follow you with a turn with an inside rein while you're on the ground. Just get them to kind of follow it around and get comfortable with it first before you put them in the long reins or you sit on their back and start to do that. But you know, when you've got them really loose in 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 the holder and that and the side pull, that transferring to the bit's quite easy. Great, hope that helps, Shirley. Okay, and from Calvin, what is a good way to teach a horse to balance up on three legs for the farrier? Mm. So not leaning on the farrier. I think we've all experienced horses that lean, especially if you're the one underneath it. Um, his horse doesn't seem anxious or nervous and is happy to stand there. It's just very heavy and sometimes takes the leg away slowly and he doesn't kick. Yeah, it's um, it's nothing worse than if you're going to do uh, shoe a few horses or trim a few horses, uh, you could go around and trim 10 horses pretty quickly. But if you've got 10 ones that lean, you're going to be knocked up by the end of it because it really it really takes a lot out of uh, you when you've got horses that kind of uh, are quite bracy and, and quite tense and they and then they lean as well. Um, so basically there's a few reasons for the leaning. Um, one is sometimes horses have got a bit of a semi-freeze going on in their mind. They're a bit nervous and they're just a bit tight and then they don't balance properly. So they just kind of end up start to lean on the person and others, their muscles are quite tight and they're quite springy. So it feels like there's a lot of tension in their leg when they hold it up. Um, so basically I would work on good quality leading, um, why does everything go back to leading is because a horse should be soft in its mind and all its muscles uh, when you take that lead rope and, and rock it forwards and backwards. And a lot of horses, I get to pass their side and they start to tighten up and feel kind of like you can't get soft uh, movements where the horse can softly rebalance and just move all four feet. So they have to be sort of collected to stand or you know equally balanced to stand still and be able to balance and then just loosely well sorry not stand completely still but be able to balance and just transfer their weight to each individual foot if they need to so so basically um you work on a lot of softness leading by backwards and forwards leading hind quarter yields move the shoulder over by lifting and getting that wither to move over and getting the horse really supple in your hand around you uh, so, so you can pretty well adjust them at any time and any foot would be available to move freely and you're looking for brace and you're looking for worry in the eye as the horse is walking past you. So if there's any parts on that horse's body that you see any tension, freeze, anything like that, uh, say, for instance, you get down near the flank area and the horse is a bit more frozen uh, or you just get right near the arm, um, the shoulder there 
and you're just running down the front leg and the horse is a bit frozen and tight, well, you have to lead them and just hold that, yeah, rub that area and just move them backwards and forwards until they loosen up, let go of the tension, and then you might step away and do that and come back in and do that until the horse can hold you in different positions, but still you can pick up on a lead and the whole body and the mind is soft and adjustable. Adjustable is the most important thing. So you're looking for adjustability in every position that you're standing around that horse when you reach out and grab that lead rope can your horse adjust even can you just adjust it by pushing its hip and it just rocks over and just steps over nice and softly so get the horse really supple at things like that and you find that that'll fix half your problem next thing is is teach the horse to soften each leg um you know if you be if you taught a young horse to pick up with like tap tap or stick tap tap or pinching a nerve and it just pulls up it tightens up all its muscles and it gets all sort of tight and it's nervous there so you got to lead the feet up like you just got like you got to lead the horse around you got to lead the feet up so you get each foot to soften so you know you might go around and just put a little feel on that horse's foot and if you can reach up to your holder and and do that or something or even put a little rope like not a joined rope but um, just, a, just a lead rope around the bottom of the foot and you actually ask the foot to soften and then you hold the lead rope and rock the horse till all four feet are soft and then ask the, every foot to soften to see if that horse can softly move its feet and, and follow the feel like teaching them to lead with a foot rope kind of thing. Um, and then you can lead them with your hand and just lead those feet up a little bit softer. And then if you've done all that, chances are by the time your horse holds its foot up, it's got a soft leg that you're holding, but all the other three legs that are there to support it are all soft and balanced and the horse can quietly balance. Um, then if worst case scenario, the, the horse still has a bit of trouble, uh, what I sometimes do is if the horse starts to think, oh, I'll just use you as my extra leg, is that okay? And you feel that weight starting to go down, I just gently walk away very slowly with the leg and the horse goes, oh, crikey, I'm, lo I'm losing that foundation there. So I hold the leg up, but I'm actually almost like I'm walking away so the horse can't rely on me. And then you'll see it very quickly if you've done your other leading loosening lessons. It'll start to bolster itself up again and go, oh, I was about to fall. I think I was just about to fall over if I kept trying to lean on you. So basically, you just got, yeah, you're just saying to the leg, it's not available to lean on by moving it wider away from the horse. And then the horse thinks, oh, you know, that's not available. I might have to use my other three legs in balance. But by actually holding and supporting the horse, you're actually telling it that I can carry you and then the horse will rely on you to carry it. Brilliant. Okay. Hope that helps, Calvin. Last question for today, Mark, is from Nat. She's got a Brumby, so that's a wild Australian wild horse, who's a filly, previously had a halter and even a saddle on. And she's only sort of recently got her. And when she got her, she just let her be a horse again for a couple of months. So she started working with her again. And she's touching her with a stick. And she's got to her neck and her head with her hand. But now she's turning her head away from her when she touches her. And it's, it's as if she's not very happy when she does it. She is blinking. When she retreats, this little Brumby mare will turn to face her again. So she's working her in a little yard or when she has food. If she's in the paddock with the other horses, then this mare will look at her and then walk away. She's doing about a 15-minute session twice a week, and there's long rest where she yawns. So she's not really putting a lot of pressure on her. She's not pushing it. But what she's noticing is that this mare is not seeking her out without confinement or food. And this is despite having all the previous handling that she's had. She feels like she's going back to scratch. So have you got any tips on how she can proceed from here? Yeah. Um, so, she's even noticed that even when she sort of does something like she lifts her arm up to scratch her nose, 
uh, her horse will already get a little bit jumpy. I, I remember that you're you're on tiptoes there with that one. Now let's, let's get some advice from Mark. Um, yeah, with a though the the little horse has probably had a lot of handling. It might have been handling where she was kind of flooded and and just had to put up with stuff, but she never felt good about it. So in a sense of feeling good about the handling, you still kind of, it's still a bit of a restart anyway, because um, she can cope with being touched, but it's most sorry, physically she's standing there being touched, but emotionally she's not coping with it very well. So, you know, in some respects by just turning away and being, being sort of, you know, blocking out, um, so, so we have to be very careful of that. The catch is with sensitive horses, and I say this to everybody, you know, there's for the first few days with a really sensitive horse, you might feel like you're sort of doing approach and retreat and sort of acknowledging every time the horse has a change and, and, and every time it gets nervous and stepping back and, and working with its bubble. But over time, if you keep doing that, those horses will train you to be an absolute um, listening guru where you can walk up to any nervous horse using the powers of, uh, stalking because approach and retreat can also be a bit like stalking every time you notice a change in a horse you stop and wait almost like a cat would stalk a you know oh they noticed me oh they got a bit nervous I'm going to stop still and let them you know soften so approach and retreat can can sometimes be like stalking if you're not careful and it can uh, make a horse always nervous when you come at them with a faster walk or you know, scratching your nose or whatever. If your hat goes to blow off, you go to catch it, whatever. Whatever the thing may be, the horse will get a fright. So I'd put your horse in a smaller sort of yard where, and and I would actually walk at it in a normal kind of I'm walking to you fashion. And this is going to make your horse a little nervous um, because you won't be as cautious. You won't be sort of listening to all the little signs. But basically walk quite strong until you see the horse go holy cow that's quite strong the way you're walking up to me it'll get a bigger freeze it'll kind of get a bit not nervous and it'll be a bit more nervous than it just quietly tipping its head away because you've approached it in a way that it's made it uncomfortable and really sort of challenged it a little bit and um but you've you got to be very careful that you don't just get it to run like it because you say so you've got to approach it but really read just at the point before it's going to run and then you and then as it sort of freezes the bigger freeze that it gets you might just stop and wait and just stand quietly and uh and then as it sort of starts to go you stopped then you just might do something you might just kind of click your fingers you might bang your leg you might and this is going to kind of get the horse thinking a bit and then as soon as you see that thought come towards you a bit then you retreat and you retreat quite fast you just walk away like you're not even interested you just go over and check the fence post or something and the horse will go, and you have it. it'll have a kind of a big letdown because of that conflict. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to sort of say to the horse, this happens, but as soon as you draw your thoughts to me, everything will go away for a second. You can control that pressure by engaging. And what it's also going to do is going to speed the process up of getting the horse used to people walking up to it that um, – are different and have different sort of you know approaches and things like that because we can't just be such a good listener that nobody can approach our horse except us so we, we you know so this is going to expose it to that and, and teach it to understand that a bit more but the idea is you sort of you, you're creating a bit more conflict than before because when you were doing the maybe the slower approach and retreat the horse was kind of going oh yeah right oh yep 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 and and then it's almost like feeding that anxiety a bit but if you kind of walk up a little normal normal and straight towards the horse it'll bring things up a little quicker create a 
a more important response in the horse. And then it's either going to go flight, freeze, fight, but it's right at that point of freeze, you'll stop. And, uh, and that's when you'll try and get it out of freeze by drawing its attention. Um, even if you just rock back a little bit as you draw its attention to see if that'll help. Because as you push against the horse, as you just gently retreat, you can create a little draw, as you already know. But you're creating a little bit more freeze to create slight stronger interest when you get their attention. And, yeah, keep doing that until you can just about walk up to the horse fast and it'll come and it'll think towards you. But you have to, when you retreat, just go away, give the horse a break from it, and then go in again and do that approach and retreat where you walk in and then you walk away and then you walk in and then you walk away until you get some big bigger changes in your horse. And usually I've found that, that, that you know, with most of those horses can um, draw them out of their shell a little bit, but also get them very comfortable at people walking normally around them instead of sneaking. Um, I had something else I was going to say, but I think it just lost my mind there. So, but I think that's about, you know, what, what I would really, really try and do. But if, if it's not working, just maybe on another question and answer, just, just, just touch base again, because I think if you sort of know that point of just before it runs and you stop there, wait a little bit and get its attention, you'll have some success. But sometimes if you go too hard at it and you walk in and you miss that point, they run and then you'll create a, maybe like it's the, it's things, it thinks you're chasing them, but you're not. So if they, if that ends up happening, you just walk, step back, reset them a little bit and, and try again. Okay, well, good luck with that one, Nat. And uh, as Mark said, keep us posted and, and don't worry about having to redo things because remember you're redoing them in perhaps uh, a more beneficial way. You know, you're getting far more stimulation and thought processes going on. So yeah, at least this way, you know, things have been done sort of in the right way. And I think um, a lot of times Mark works horses. He's always saying, I'm going back to the beginning with this one. <laughs> so it's a common thread. Um, but yeah, good luck. I hope you can sort of, um, she gets over that cold and you can get a hand on her. All right. Well, thank you for the questions, everybody. Um, great that you've sent them through and uh, Mark will uh, talk to you again very soon. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. You can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven-day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a question.